Coaches. Blow the whistle, blow the whistle, blow the whistle, they can't hold a flame against you, blow the whistle, blow the whistle, blow the whistle, got the game, it ain't no issue, blowing the whistle, I had enough with you, the championship, it is gone, ain't listen to you, I can't give it to you, cause you don't know what I've been on, this is the coaches, podcast, ripping up everything, off that, back to back is not far fast, we got a couple of clock cans, What's going on guys? We're back again, a double feature. Well, not to you guys, but to us. We're recording on Wednesday night for our Saturday release on our AFC South and West Fantasy Questions. If you've already listened to the East and the North, great. If not, please go back and listen to it. It was a lot of fun to do, even though we just did it. But we're here again today. As you know, I'm Steve Pintado, Fantasy Coaches Podcast. And with me, as always, is my main man, Jabron Curtis. What's up again, Jibs? Back to back. Back to back. Hell yeah, man. It's, I'm looking forward to it. And, you know, we didn't change anything, guys. We're still all together. And that means our guest, Jared, is still hanging out with us. What's up, Jared? Feeling good out here in the Pacific North, Northwest, being able to, to do two with you guys. Yeah, no, it's been, it's been great. You know, uh, this has been a lot of fun tonight. The first half was fun. Uh, but now we're going to give you guys another fun half here, and it's probably going to be even more passionate because Jared's a huge Chargers fan, and he's probably going to talk for like an hour or two about this. So, but maybe, maybe, maybe not. Maybe. I might shorten it up. Uh, maybe not. Maybe not. I have to go to bed at some point tonight. I know Jib wants to go to bed already. <laughs> so uh, we're going to try to get through this as fun, as quick, as informative as possible. So uh, we're going to start with the AFC South this time, and we're going to start with the Tennessee Titans. And... One guy last year, a rookie, broke out crazy in the second half of the season, had a really crazy, you know, fantasy end of season where he was almost like the top five wide receiver, and it was A.J. Brown. And, you know, what's your guys' overall take on A.J. Brown? Is he someone who's going to get even better in 2020? I do. I think he'll actually improve. I think it's going to be slight. You know, you mentioned that he really tore it up after week 11, after the bye week. After that point in half-point PPR, he averaged about 19 points a game. Extremely solid. On the calculator right now, he's going at pick 45. And to me, I think I predict that will get into the high 30s come August and September drafts. So if you can get him at 45, take him. I think he's uh, an elite talent. He's got the size. He can get open. He can, um, you know, get his quarterback to be able to throw him a spot where only he can get the, the football. Uh, I watched him live one game, and I came away impressed just watching him move. Um, so I, I do. I'm, I'm higher on him probably than most. I think he's probably around pick 35, in my opinion. That might be higher than you guys. What, what do you guys say about him? Um, for me, I, I'll definitely take him in round three. I, he proves to be like that like guy. Like He's big. He's fast. Like He just looks like a different animal out there. And... For AJ Brown, he like you said, he didn't play like significant snaps for like the majority of the season. We'll say probably like till like week seven, it was like probably like consistent and going up uphill. But like the second half of the year, it has to mean something. And like the Titans came in the year, they picked him. They're like, all right, he's a guy. But now coming after the end of the year, that's their guy. So I think even with that breakout year, I think they're gonna put more on his plate, and I expect them to do more. Um. I'm I'm not as high on AJ Brown. I, I like him as a player, but in terms of fantasy, in terms of the team he's on, still, yes, he he showed us that doesn't matter what team he's on, he's going to produce big numbers. But 
again, his and his targets were so up and down. I mean, he had eight game, he would have eight targets one game, but then three the next, and it it was a continuous trend for me when I see here um, the rest of the season. And again, we talked about Darius Slayton just a few weeks ago on the pod of having eight plus touchdowns. Well, AJ Brown had eight plus touchdowns, and what I tell you then. Rookie wide receivers usually regress in the following year. Maybe he sees more targets. Um, maybe he has a little bit more in yardage, but he's going to see less touchdowns. I, I'm a little concerned overall to draft him in the third round like you guys are talking about. I'd prefer maybe the fourth, I guess. Definitely the fifth round would be a better option in my eyes. Just because, you know, we have Ryan Tannehill throwing the ball. Again, I don't, I don't 100% trust Tannehill, and we'll talk about him in actually a couple minutes. And, you know, defenses are going to target A.J. Brown there. They know who A.J. Brown is. I know Derrick Henry's back there, and they're going to have to respect that, but they're going to focus on A.J. Brown. And, again, there's no other talent at wide receiver here. So, again, that could be a good thing for him, but it also could just have them force the ball so much where he just doesn't produce as big numbers like we thought he was going to. So, again, I still want to draft him, but everyone, I think he keeps rising up draft boards. I'm not looking forward to take him in the third round. It's just, to me, it's a little risky for a team that's a run-first team. But talking about Ryan Townhill, like I mentioned before, um, you know, he was a guy who was fantastic um, after he got his week eight start. I mean, I mean, just dominated. He was a top three fantasy quarterback and he almost put up 20 fantasy points in almost every single week. Um, Where are you guys drafting Tannehill going in 2020 now, though? Well, I have him in that, you know, Drew Locke and Jimmy G tier um, around 13th round. You might even get him as a waiver wire pickup, you know, if if you are starting quarterbacks playing Buffalo or the Chargers are really good pass defense. Uh, I got to see him in his first start um, against the Chargers in Tennessee, and he he's a very underrated athlete. I mean, he can roll out, he can, you know, he can he can dive for the chains and move them. And I, I don't think he gets enough credit for how good of an athlete he is. But they also don't need him to throw. I mean, when they beat the Pats, I think he threw for seventy-two yards. Um, so I mean, that, that that just is concerning. That's why I, I would put him kind of in that last tier. You know, and, and maybe you don't even need to draft Tannehill. His name is definitely not very sexy. So maybe you wait. Maybe you get him in the very end to go with a really nice bye week replacement. You look on the schedule and go, okay, my first guy has a bye. Oh, Tannehill's playing, the, you know, maybe the Jags or somebody that he can light up. That would be my high side for uh, Ryan Tannehill. It's round 12 for me, and I just don't trust I thought he was a pumpkin all last year, and he proved me wrong week after week. But still, being on that rush, running first offense, that's Derrick Henry's offense. I don't think it's Ryan Tannehill's, but they do complement each other well. So you can find a steal, but I hope I'm not in that position. Yeah, I mean, I wouldn't mind drafting Tannehill as a you know last tier, like Jared said, as a quarterback somewhere like around fourteen to sixteen to be a, a bi-week replacement or just to be, have that sick of quarterback on your roster. Some people do like having two QBs on your roster. So uh, I wouldn't mind it. But, again, he's definitely a little concerning. Obviously, I know Ryan Townhill very well over his time in Miami. Hasn't been a guy who's been super reliable in fantasy, either with bad production or injuries. But he kind of proved us all wrong, like Jib said. I mean, he had 20, point, 20 fantasy points in seven of his final eight games. And he was super efficient. He had a... Touchdown every 13 attempts. That's insane. I mean, Pat Mahomes, I think, had it in 17. 
uh, last year. So, I mean, he was just very efficient with his passing. I mean, and, and one thing I really realized and I looked into was, you know, who we had at wide receiver. We talked about A.J. Brown being a guy who just takes the ball and goes nuts with it. You know, we talked about, we didn't even talk about Jonah Smith, but Jonah Smith is a guy who could just take the ball and go with it. Out of his 20, I think he had 2,800 passing yards, 1,300 of it was after the catch. So only had 1,500 yards, he actually threw the ball, and the rest the receiver did for him. So, I mean, that's real efficient. I mean, he just let the receiver do the job and got it done with. Again, that's probably what the Titans want him to do. Uh, I'm just over history and trends. I, I just don't see Tannehill as a guy who, if you're trying to think he's going to be someone in 2019, what he did last year or in 2019, don't expect that in 2020. He's going to be a little bit more, you know, not consistent and efficient as he was. It's just someone you're going to draft him later rounds, and he's going to be a solid guy. You fill in for bye weeks, or you know, you play him in the right matchups kind of guy. I wouldn't expect him to be a week in a week in twenty point starter. Yeah, he's he's one of those real quarterbacks better than he is in fantasy. Yeah, he's going to be good for the Titans, and what they need him to do is to play a good, efficient football. It might not be as great for fantasy this year in efficiency, but in the NFL, it's going to be pretty solid. Um, but going over to the next team in this division here, and you know Deshaun Watson's back again at the quarter at the quarterback helm here, and now he's got a couple new wide receivers now in Brandon Cooks and Randall Cobb. You lost DeAndre Hopkins for some reason. We don't know why still. Um, but who is the wide receiver you want in this core? This is my hottest take that I've had probably since talking to people. I think Brandon Cooks will end this year in the top twelve in PPR formats. Um, and that's not just Pac-12 guy here because I don't I hate the Beavers so it's not that um, believe me but you know he's been he's played with some really great quarterbacks and he's also played with Goff and we get this perception of that he's he's always out now he does have concussion issues so the caveat is if he plays he'll perform Jared Goff's got a limp noodle for a right arm and and Deshaun Watson is the opposite of that so I think Brandon Cooks, if he stays on the field, he's missed two games since 2014, so he gets a bad rap there. But he is is he's as close to Tyreek, in my opinion, and, and able of getting deep, get open, and have those little legs go and, and, and make house calls. So he's going in fantasy calculator right now at 76. I'm jumping on that. In my three expert leagues, I think two of them with I have him in both of those. I got him pretty late. I love that type of production. Um, so even though he's a beaver, I love Brandon Cooks this year. I'm going with Cooks as well. As you say, he's probably he's pretty much the de facto number one wide receiver for Deshaun Watson alongside Will Fuller. Will Fuller hasn't done anything for me the last couple of years, but sat on my bench for this 50-point game. So other than that, I'm going to go with Cooks. Yeah, the concussions are an issue, but I feel like, Will Fuller's hamstring issues are much more greater. And just like you said, you pick 70-something, like you're getting the number one wide receiver for a quarterback you're probably drafting ahead of him anyway. So think about it, guys. Brandon Cooks is a person you will want, but you got to also think about the the factor that he can be out with one little bad hit too. So it's risk-reward, but I think it's still a good gamble you could take. Fantastic takes, guys. I'm going to go with Kiki QT. Oh. I'm just kidding. No, not going with Kiki QT. <laughs> I'm going Brandon Cooks, too, guys. I agree with you completely, 100%. And your take, Jared, not softball fetch. I believe that could absolutely happen here. Listen, Brandon Cooks is 
I don't know if people seem to forget. I know he's got injury concerns, especially concussions. is nothing to joke with. But four straight hundred, four straight thousand yard seasons with three different teams. I mean, this guy can do it in any almost any offense. And we saw this past season that you know the Rams' offensive line couldn't hold up. Jared Goff relied on the shorter throws and the tight ends. I mean, you saw his deep ball go from seventy one attempts to fifty four this past season, and. Again, Cooks was hurt, and the offense changed a little bit. They didn't use a lot of th- three wide receiver sets. They went more of a tight end heavy, and that kind of affected Brandon Cooks a little bit there. And again, now he goes to Houston where you just lost a guy who had 150 targets. Where is that going to? It's going to Brandon Cooks. Maybe not all 150, but again, Will Fuller can't stay on the field, and it's been just known that he cannot stay on the field. It's, I mean, maybe he gets some magic success and do it this year, but I don't see it happening. Kenny Stills is just a guy. Randall Cobb. He's okay. He's not bad, but again, he's no guy anymore. Brandon Cooks is only 26, and he can still be a guy and be a thousand-yard guy for a team. And you're going to be happy you're getting him in this, you know, seventh round of your drafts, eight round, whatever it may be. And he could put up, possibly, you know, again, like Jared said, top 12 numbers possibly by the end of the season. So he's definitely someone you want to target late in the rounds. He comes with a little risk with his injury, but he could produce big upside for you in fantasy this year. You can say this about him. He always picks the right quarterbacks to play with. Sure well, does. except for Goff. Except for Goff, yeah. I laughed when you said that. That was great. <laughs> he does have some really good quarterbacks. Breeze, Brady, and now Watson. You can't beat that for him overall. Going to another guy who was also a big addition to this Houston team to make up for the Deshaun, uh, Deshaun uh, DeAndre Hopkins uh, for why they traded him again? I don't know. But this is why they traded him. For David Johnson, the guy who three years ago broke out and then haven't seen him since uh but now he comes to be the number one running back texans now um can david johnson have a bounce back still are we just repeating things that will never happen he's a sad story in fantasy because you know a lot of guys took him with the first overall pick a couple years ago and i don't it was at week one that he was injured um that's not really his fault it was a wrist injury um, but he's you know he's still 28, so that's he still has some tread on the tires. But his yards per carry have never been eye popping. He's just at four yards a carry if you round up. Uh, but he makes his hay in the pass game. Then you also have is Duke Johnson still there? He's still there. Don't draft the wrong so, D Johnson guys. Just so you know, don't draft yeah, the wrong one. Right. <laughs> look at the, look at the details. It's, it's like the D Williams in, in KC, right? But. So you have the Duke Johnson, you know, worry. And so I hope as a person that thinks he's a great person that he'll be able to do that. I just think that it's it's a risk because he hasn't shown that a lateral elusiveness that he did in 2015 and 16 before he got hurt. I'm going to pass, but I'm cheering for him that he does really well this year. Yeah, I wouldn't mind getting him maybe at a discounted like in around five, like in a 12 man league but i just believe like the houston texans like i just feel like the running backs just don't really have the upside like as like the couple years have gone by i know they haven't had the talent either but david johnson is older it's not like he's like stevie said like his older self you're getting basically used parts and you're gonna make it run so David Johnson's a guy that I will keep an eye on, but I'm not going to go actively saying like, hey, I'm going to go get David Johnson and everything's going to be good. No, because Duke Johnson's still going to have a role in there and they're still going to have to mesh, but Deshaun Watson should be able to help him up, get a little bit more running lanes open. But besides that, he's just a guy for me. He's average. 
good like RB two, but really bad side of it though. The jibs you would take him. Let's say you're picking at like five, fifth round, fourth pick. Do you grab him there? I actually would fifth round, fourth pick. That's what sixty four. Uh, yeah, I'll snag. Yeah, I figure I figure I'll have like a good running back, wide receiver, probably maybe two of each. If he's my RB three, I'm fantastically happy. Okay, okay. Yeah, I but, mean, I'll go ahead, Jibs. Oh yeah, it was like, just but like that's it. Like it's just <laughs> a story. But you also get like someone like maybe like you get like a David Montgomery there too in that range. Do you want the younger player? Do you want the older guy? You never know. I'd rather have Montgomery. We're talking right now. <laughs> <laughs> I think Montgomery would be a little bit sooner, but I was just one player I think that's in that range. Yeah, that I mean, weird range. I'm on the same boat as you guys. I'm not actively looking for David Johnson, but if David Johnson falls in my lap where I need him, I'm not going to say no because he should see the higher workload. Um, again, We've seen Houston running backs over the last four years now. They are okay running backs, but they get like 1,000 yards, 900 yards. Nothing bad, great. But uh, they don't do anything spectacular in the offense here. It's just average at best with some ups, a small upside. And it really depends on what David Johnson can do in this offense. I mean, we saw him last year in Houston be the RB6 at one point through the first like six games of the season and then get injured. Again, maybe he has that upside in him. But it's a bit risky because he hasn't shown it in the last three years now. But, again, Houston, Arby's, who are pretty much ending, go to Houston to die. Um, so hopefully he can make a, you know, a bounce back, but isn't someone you should be actively trying to get unless he falls to you. That's how I see it. That's how I see it a lot. That's a good sight. <laughs> we all, we all kind of we're green this today. We're doing a lot of green today. I like that. Uh, so let's see if we agree on these ones now. Um, we'll go to the Jacksonville Jaguars. And last year, DJ Shark, I mentioned him in the last podcast, took a big step forward in year two. Um, but outside of DJ Shark, do you want any of these wide receivers? I don't know if the word unfun is a word, but that's what I come up with every time I think about the Jaguars. They're just not fun to watch. Um, I'm not as high on Shark as, as a lot of uh, maybe listeners are out there. I've seen a lot of Gardner Minshew at Washington State. My wife is a Cougar, so I understand, you know, that he he had a great year there. But I'm going to stay away. Um, I did like Chenault at Colorado. Um, I would take Mims and Huggins, Higgins and Rhaegar ahead of him. Um, but in a dynasty league, I, I like him. Um, but I, I'm just going to probably pass on Shark and, and let some of my league mates grab him. Uh, yeah, I don't mind Shark. Like, I don't think he's overly fantastic by any means. But um, if there's one other person, I'm going to, like, put my spotlight on LaVishka Chenault because he can just play a variety of positions. It's not like he's just limited to like, playing wide receiver snaps so he'll have more opportunity on the field. He could run the wildcat. He could play tight end. He could do. He could just do everything. So I'll keep an eye on that guy, and hopefully it doesn't uh, cut into the next guy we talk about this role in the offense. Oh, yeah, for sure. Um, yeah, again, she's a shark is is a, just this I guess more the low end RB low end wide receiver two that we'll talk about probably as we get closer to drafts. But anyone else to me, I mean, Chanel, I think is just too much of an overall overall player for me. 
Uh, Westbrook seems to be on a regression decline. He has never been able to perform. But Chris Conley is someone who I'm still somewhat interested in. More of a 12-man, maybe a little bit deeper. But if you wanted to grab him as your last pick and see what this Jags offense can do, being probably behind a lot of games, he is someone who intrigues me a bit because he's a guy who never really had an opportunity to really show his worth in Kansas City. Then he comes over with one season in the Jacksonville Jaguars, 91 receptions, 700 yards, and five touchdowns. 40, wide receiver 40 on the year. Again, you know, they had back-and-forth quarterback play. You know, they were just all over the place last year, Jack, especially at the end of the year. But, again, Chris Conley was that downfield threat that I think, you know, DJ Shark is more of that, you know, possession guy. Westbrook is more of a slot role. And Chanel kind of does, does everything. And I think Conley could be a guy who could see big yardage, maybe not the touchdowns per se, but someone you could see, you know, 60 targets, not 60 targets, but 60 receptions for 1,000 yards this year possibly. And just because this team is going to be behind in games, they're going to end up having to throw the ball more. I don't expect Leonard Fournette to see 100 targets, which we'll get to in a minute um, this coming year. So, again, this is a team who had almost 400 target players. That's pretty impressive. And um, I think Chris Conley is one that I would – take a you know round 16 pick on and see what happens and if he doesn't work out after the first few weeks you just caught him and you go another direction but he's definitely someone that still intrigues me in this this team but talking about like i said leonard Fournette not having 100 targets this year you know he's the next guy on a list to talk about here and the biggest question is do you feel comfortable if you took two wide receivers in round one and two and i'm projecting leonard Fournette around three guys um as your rb1 this year well if i yeah if i go either a tight end and a receiver and, I, and he's my one then i'm assuming i might be at the end of the of that round so then i could go back to back with another strong running back uh, like a miles sanders or something like that um i think fournette is an amazing football player i love watching him play he's the only fun player i like on that team and he's due for td progression right i mean he he only had i think three touchdowns last year but he was still running back nine so if he's able to punch some of those in, um, then you're looking at maybe running back six. I think he's probably like running back 10 or 11. I had him ahead of guys like Eckler, who I love, and Jacobs from, from the Raiders. I like him that much. But again, my caveat is if I take Fournette he's, as my one, I want a really good 1B like a Miles Sanders. Totally agree with you right there. If I had two stud wide receivers and Leonard Fournette still sitting there, he's still like, even though he's in his contract year, he's going to be that workhorse running back still. Like, I don't care about the targets and the receptions and all that crap. Um, if you take pretty much, if you take 50 receptions away from him and you put him on like his like first two season average, like he'll still be RB2. He'll probably be like RB16 in that range. So, you get him, you pair him with another one, you're you're pretty much set. So I'm not scared with that. Dynasty is a little bit cloudy, but other than that, Leonard Fournette's good to go in my book. Yeah, I have to agree with you guys. I'm I I would definitely be okay with him as my RB one. This is probably his last year in Jacksonville. The Jaguars are gonna be like, all right, well, we're gonna run you to the ground as much as possible. So you're gonna get a majority of these carries this year, and I think they're going to do that. He's I think he could see close to 300 this year, and again. The touchdowns were an issue. He's been going regression every single season now, but I think that will come back up this year. Uh, I think they get more opportunity, at least getting towards the end zone, and he gets to punch it in a little bit more. Again, don't expect him to have 100 targets this year. I, I just don't see that happening in this offense. I think he'll still have a, a decent amount, but I don't expect 100 this year. I think he sees more touchdowns. He could see more yardage with more carries. So he could be someone, again, 
he dealt with the fifth most stacked boxes last year, guys. 32% of his runs were stacked boxes. I mean, he did very good on that note, and I think he could just do it again this coming season with, you know, at least Menshaw being the full-time starter, them getting a little bit better on offensive line. I could see him at least being at least comfortable RB1. Today's podcast is sponsored by Podgo. Podgo is the easiest way for you to monetize your podcast, providing podcasters with a flat rate for ad space so you always know how much you will get when you include an ad from Podgo. I recently joined as a member, and you can too. Apply today and become a member and immediately connect with advertisers that fit your audience. That's podgo.co at P-O-D-G-O dot C-O podgo. Guys, it's worth a shot. Try it out. And now we go over to the last team in the in the west, in the south, the west, the south, and it's a similar running back situation here, and not similar whatsoever, but it's a running back situation here. And we saw the Colts last year have Marlon Mack and Naeem Hines as the main guys. Now they go in the second round and they bring in a guy like Jonathan Taylor, who could have been, to most people's eyes, the possibly the best running back in this class here. Uh, what's your expectation for this backfield, guys? Yeah, it's another one of those where. You know, like the Bills and the Packers were, they ruined a lot of fantasy teams in Dynasty, right? I, I, Marlon Mack, I actually really like him. My brother turned me on to watching him more um, from his uh, from his college days before our draft that year. You know, 23 years old, so he's, he like Singletary, he's a young guy, and now they add another one. 1,100 yards last year. I think he's actually a much better pass catcher than Frank Reich allows him to be. I know they bring in Naheem Hines in there and sometimes even Wilkins. Uh, but Jonathan Taylor is a beast. I mean, I watched a little bit of Wisconsin, and it seems to me like when I'm thinking about them, what comes to my mind is the old New York Giants with Ahmad Bradshaw and Brandon Jacobs. So I think it's going to be, uh, Stephen said, you know, thunder and lightning, I think, in the first episode. And I think it can be something like that because they're both talented and they'll both, I think, make each other better. They'll just kind of restrict your fantasy output is which is you know what we're talking about now i think that um that taylor's gonna get more of the run but i think it's gonna be close yeah i kind of agree with you it's i could probably just say maybe 50 50 from the start maybe give a little edge in that they'll slowly progress towards taylor but they're gonna use marlon mack they have under contract he's still young um he hasn't been the most reliable guy with this injury, but sure, like he's definitely been a proven runner. He just could carry the load significantly. He gets multiple like twenty plus carry games, so he's no slouch. But um, Jonathan Taylor is a phenomenal person, uh, phenomenal player. They definitely moved up in the draft to get him too, so you expect they are going to use him as well. So I'm not expecting anything out of the Colts running back, just but a headache. But hey, Jonathan Taylor's outlook is looking phenomenal. Yeah, like Jonathan Taylor is definitely someone you want in 2021 in all your drafts, dynasty or redrafts, because I think he, I think Marlon Mack does not come back next year. Um, in terms of this year, guys, I think Naeem Hines, I'll do the easy one first, is someone you definitely want to take maybe late in your drafts as a possible PPR guy. Phil Rivers has been a you know a guy who always threw to the running backs. So that's someone right there. But in terms of Mack and Taylor, I see it being a very one-two punch, you know, you know, maybe not thunder and lightning, but more thunder and then more even more thunder on top of that. Um, both these guys can be bruisers a little bit. And I expect this, like you guys have been saying, a little bit more of an even split early on and I, I think either they're going to go the direction where they take Mac and let him run with the ball, 
or they're going to go the youth way and let Jonathan Taylor do it. And the thing with Mac is he's been hurt every single season. So I think if he gets hurt one time this year, it turns into the Jonathan Taylor show with Mac kind of just fill, filling in when he can. Uh, I think at that point, or if it happens, Jonathan Taylor fumbles too much, which he had fumbling issues in college, and then Mac just finishes out the season. So hopefully that's not the route at all we have to worry about. But again, I think you draft both these guys with some caution. I, I wouldn't want either one of these guys in my RB2, but if it happens, it happens. I'd prefer them both to be RB3s on my team. Mac maybe an RB4 at least, but they said they both, Jonathan Taylor has the upside in this offense here, and he could be the lead dog by midseason. You could see a Jordan Howard, Miles Sanders kind of like season out of both these guys this year. So again, don't go out actively getting them, but again, get them at their great value. That's what I, all I can say about them. And now going over to another rookie who they drafted very similar position uh, to Jonathan Taylor. And I didn't I look at the question now and I completely don't know why um, no one's called me out on how I answered this question besides Jibs. Thank you for that. Um, but basically what I was asking uh, in this question is like, where do you guys project Michael Pittman? You know, does he make a big jump in his rookie year? Does he make big, you know, fantasy leap? You know, what can he do in his rookie season here? Well, Jibs mentioned it in the last episode about, you know, the COVID outbreak and how that can impact. I think the just the the timing, you know, of these rookie receivers, I think the receivers are going to probably be uh, have the, the worst learning curve of all of all the positions of the, this rookie class. But Pittman's in a very good situation. He gets to play indoors a lot in that division. He gets Philip Rivers, a Hall of Fame quarterback. Um, to, to, to sling it to him for at least a couple of seasons. And he has people to take some coverage off of him. When I watched him at USC, I thought Vincent Jackson from his early days with the Chargers and then I think the Buccaneers. Um, very similar build. I think Pittman might not be as thick up top, but explosive. I saw him a lot at SC. I, I really liked him. I hated when my team had to play against him. So I think he's going to um, have a very slow start but I do think he's a guy in Dynasty. You absolutely, if you can swoop him up, swoop him up. And I think Phil will, will get the most out of him this year. Yeah, I don't think he's going to be making significant strides, although you do hear the coach speak and all the rumors and reports. But, like, at the end of the day, like, if they get some kind of, like, training camp in and whatnot, I could see him being, like, the third wide receiver, like, on the team and definitely he could definitely have the upside to be the number two just alongside T.Y. Hilton he has a phenomenal uh, player profile like you said Jared he's big wide receiver he's pretty durable he's not like a shifty like smaller guy either so T.Y. Hilton isn't like the the poster boy for staying healthy either he's a phenomenal athlete I think he could mentor Michael Pittman to be a phenomenal wide receiver and hopefully we can see a lot of T.Y. Hilton, Michael Pittman, and Paris Campbell sets going forward. I'm a big fan of Michael Pittman. Definitely a little bit more in Dynasty long term. In terms of this season, it really will depend how much he gets on the field, how much reps he gets in practice. And that's going to be, I think, key for this offense here because he fits a mold that doesn't they don't have on this offense right now. I mean, you know, T.Y. is the short guy who can go downfield quickly i think paris campbell can do a lot of damage in the slot but michael Pittman, i mean one of the better hands massive target radius in this draft class comes in and can be that and i think you're right on that jared that vincent jackson like player that philip rivers had back in the day uh it's a terrific size strength and ball skills to him i mean 
he could be someone who does make noise in in, in year one. I just don't. I just really don't know how much at this moment. Um, it will be. It will have to see. You know where he falls in the depth chart coming into you know week one start because you know this team is going to probably be a you know a decently heavy on the pass. So I mean he's going to see his shares. Wouldn't expect a you know hundred targets or anything like that. But something very similar is definitely a guy I would take with my late round you know round sixteen pick and see if the rookie can progress as the season goes on. And then that is the end of our that's the end of the South, guys. And now we're on to the West. And I completely left the Chargers last to end the day. So you're not gonna get your chance at this time, Jared. But we're gonna talk about the Chiefs real quick. And you know, they brought in a big shocker, you know, in the first round, drafting Clyde Edwards Hilaire um, with their first pick in their in their draft. And now he joins Damian Williams and a bunch of other scrubs, I'd say, at this point. Uh, what's your expectation for this backfield, guys? I think Damian Williams gets a really, really bad rap. I think he should have been the Super Bowl MVP. Uh, he played extremely well in that game. Um, you know, he was banged up last year. Um, he's he's a better fantasy player than he is a real player, but I still think he's a really good running back. I don't know if this was the best need that that they had. I mean, they certainly have fewer holes than everybody else. But Edwards Hilaire is a beast. I mean, he's mini Zeke in my mind. I mean, he's 5'7", 208. Um, I think he'll be used more in obvious run situations, which for Andy Reid isn't all that often. Um, so I, I kind of predict a 60-40 split like we talked about with Mack and Taylor um, with maybe Edwards Hilaire after, you know, midway point getting more of that. But it's all about can he catch and can he is he able to pick up in pass protection? That's going to be the big difference. And I know Brady Ransom, but um, at LSU. But I'm 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 of the thought that Hilaire is going to be a really nice play. I, I picked him number one in the rookie uh, draft just recently with you guys, and so that would be my guy there. But um, keep your eye on Edwards Hilaire. Yeah, I, I think that Damian Williams is going to be like a phenomenal value during draft free draft season going forward. Because obviously uh, Clyde Edwards is just basically skyrocket value ahead of him, but like, I I kind of agree with you. I had him at fifty five forty five just because of um, just the investment they paid in him, and I think he could make a strides in the passing game. But you, Jerry, you do have a good point. Like pass protection is an issue. You have Patrick Mahomes right there. You're about to make this guy probably like a three hundred million dollar plus. Uh, quarterback so you got to protect that guy and uh, the future is right for him but like it's going to be a headache but I think Clyde Edwards can make strides and probably take the lead dog role later in the year wow you guys said a lot of everything that I was going to say so (laughs) there's not much for me to say like I said definitely a good value Damian Williams continues to drop I think he's someone who's going to see early on production that you really want to go out and get guys uh, especially in those later rounds would be like an RB4 early on Clyde Edwards Hilaire I think will go a little too early I see him probably going to end up going in round two and being a disappointment at first um, and it really will depend on his value depending on how he progresses as a rookie I mean 
Uh, like Jared said, he had issues in pass protection, and he had some issues when he got a little frustrated when he didn't catch the ball or at least dropped it a couple times. So, again, he needs to work on some things to really get going. But he's a guy who could see, you know, upwards of, you know, 60 to 70 targets in year one as a, you know, passing back. And they could have both these guys on the field at the exact same time. I don't see why not. I mean, they don't really have a strong RB, not RB, but strong wide receiver three that they could throw another running back in that backfield just to have their best possible weapons out there. Um, and Damon Williams, I said, he's good in short yardage, not short yardage, but short situations. I mean, he can't handle a big workload, I don't think, at this point. But he's a guy who I think will keep them healthy for the playoffs when they make a playoff run. And, you know, when he had, I think, at least 10 carries, I mean, he had over, like, 10 fantasy points each time. So, I mean, when he does get the ball, I mean, he does produce. But we've never seen him have more than 111 uh, carries in a season. So it's unclear how much he can really carry. But I think this will be in more of a 50-50, you know, 45-55 split until someone really steps up. If Clyde Edwards steps up, it's going to be the guy. If Damian Williams continues to do that, then they'll have different roles throughout this offense. But um, Damian Williams is definitely the better value overall than Clyde Edwards-Hilaire, even though Clyde Edwards-Hilaire has a huge upside to his game. Well, and, and Williams was fourth in the NFL in forced missed tackles. So, I mean, Duke can play. You know, it's not just that he's playing for Andy behind Patrick Mahomes. Dude is pretty good, and we all saw it in that, that game against the Niners. Yeah, definitely. definitely. He, he can ball. He can play. I mean, there's nothing against that. How much he gets in terms of opportunity, that's a big question still. Uh, but staying in this team here, and we talked about them not having, you know, reliable wide receivers outside of Tyree Kill, um, Sammy Watkins. Um, this guy blew up week one, 150 rushing for rushing, 150 receiving yards, three touchdowns, disappeared the rest of the season. Milkman was out for him, and then boom, he comes in the playoffs and just dominates the playoffs. And even in the Super Bowl, has a fantastic Super Bowl as well. Um, almost retired, comes back on a restructured one year deal. Where do we see Sammy Watkins this year, guys? I have no idea. You won't see him on any of my fantasy teams. Um, but, you know, yeah, you, you allude to it. He had 288 yards in those three playoff games. So pretty consistent, right? That's 96 a game on average. Played well in the big one. Um, I have him kind of in that category with Sterling Shepard and John Brown. Um, so he, he's a guy for me that I, I won't probably pick, maybe because it's in my, my loathing of, of Kansas City in general. Uh, Double-digit round pick for me. I'm probably the wrong guy to ask, but he is super talented and he's not as old. I mean, he's not that old. Uh, he's still a young guy and he plays with Patrick Mahomes and Randy Reed. So he has, he's a best ball. I mean, he is, that's like the name of the game for him. So get a best ball league, get Sammy Watkins on your team. I want to be so done with Sammy Watkins, but he's such an interesting player to speculate on due to a situation like plays with Patrick Holmes. He has an alpha receiver to take the coverage off him. The value you're getting him in drafts, you can get him in double digits. Hey, I'll, if I see him in round 12, 13, I am definitely taking him, snagging him up. He's going to be the wide receiver too on the Kansas City Chiefs, which is pretty much money. Obviously, we can't really tell when to play him or not so if you're getting them that late honestly like you're gonna have your pretty much studs and your your backups your better backups in there too so he's just like some bench fodder unfortunately but he's gonna be some good bench fodder during your bye weeks i don't know i'm avoiding sammy watkins as i can let someone else take on that headache i mean granted he's a he's so talented he has such talent to his game here but 
He hasn't played a full 16 games since rookie year. He's missed nine games over the last two years. And when he's on the field, I mean, he produced one game over 10 fantasy points last year. And uh, Tyreek Hill was gone for like three or four of those early on. And then he continues to get hurt. I just He doesn't put up the production that his talent shows and the talent that he has in this offense. Again, he's the third target at least. And he may not even be the third target this year. Michael Harmon could step up. We talked about the running game being involved in the passing game. I mean... I just don't know. I mean, he sees big target numbers a lot of the times. He saw 90 this year, but he just doesn't put it on the field, and it, it, it's too concerning for me. I mean, yeah, if Jibs is right, if he falls in the double digits to a point where, like, oh, got to take him, take him, but i just avoid him if you can. I'd go with someone else. I know he's in a high-power offense, but there's too much headache that he just doesn't perform, and he will just ruin your fantasy leagues each and every week, guys. Oh, man. Sammy Watkins just kills me sometimes, guys, but... Let's move on to the Denver Broncos, who are a guy I really like. And uh, this was a guy who was drafted last year, quarterback. Um, didn't play until week 11 or 12 of the season. And it's Drew Locke out of Missouri, who ended up with a 4-1 record on the Broncos. And now that he has all these new toys to play with, the hype is coming. Is the hype there for you guys? Is Drew Locke the hype guy? Uh, there's no hype for me for Drew Locke. I know we. It feels like deja vu. I know you. We talked about this what six weeks ago in that last pod when we previewed the the West. Um, I'm just not seeing it. Um, you know, he averaged 200 yards a game, but he had a solid 89 passer rating. But he played from ahead in those games where you're pretty much seeing less. Um, you know, less pressure. I I think that the division offers a lot of really good pass uh, rushing defenses. Uh, pass rushing defenses um and so that's going to create him to make some decisions and i th- i think that's where he's really going to struggle um but he's been gifted uh jerry judy who i think was the best receiver in the draft and he has Cortland sutton um noah fant who i think is is got a lot of upside and melvin gordon is a really good uh pass catching running back who likes to fumble inside the five so <laughs> i like to have lock around quarterback 18 to 22 um, in that same golf, Jimmy G and Joe Burrow range. Yeah, hey, I'm hyped for the Drew Lock player and for him to be a better NFL quarterback, but I'm not hyped for him to be on my fantasy teams by any stretch. Uh, if it's a two quarterback league, he might have some consideration for me. He'd definitely be a good viable fantasy, uh, dynasty option as well, just to have on your bench and let him uh, mature. So he has the weapons. So I just want to see John Elway give him the give him everything he needs. He has to go prove it. He's got the keys to the shiny car. I should Does. As you guys know, you've been listening to the podcast hopefully for a while. You know my love for Drew Locke. You know it's high. You know I got a big crush on him right now. I'm all on the Drew Locke train right now. Again, he's got things to work on like Jared said. His decision-making and Throw, uh, you know, situational throws are questionable times last year. Again, that's I think something that needs just needs to be worked on. The offensive line needs to get a little bit better. They need to work together and be a little bit more healthy. I think their offensive line was a little unhealthy last year. But again, this is a guy who went a four-one record. He had a touchdown in every single game besides one against the Super Bowl champs, who were just dominating at defense at that point. He threw over sixty percent of his passes in those four wins he had. He's got this new offense with his new people around him that he has to throw to so many different weapons now that he just he won't be able to see all these 
blitz situations constantly because there's just so much to worry about now on this offense here. And I think the biggest key factor is getting in Pat Shermer, the offensive coordinator, who, you know, three years ago, he made Case Keenum look like a fantasy star out there in Minnesota. Then he goes and becomes the head coach of the Giants. Eli Manning had probably one of his better fantasy seasons over the last five seasons, actually, in his second to last year. And then Daniel Jones... While Daniel Jones had his issues in turnovers, Daniel Jones put up a lot of big fantasy games. He put up a lot of 20-point fantasy games consistently. And now you get to work with you know Drew Locke, who has one of the best arms in his draft class, with a lot of great talent around him, a strong run game to keep the pressure off him consistently. I just don't see why the limit isn't there. Again, I know, like Jared said, he's got concerns about his decision-making. That I think that just needs to be worked on, with I think, with his offensive coordinator. And I think he will get that work on. I'm sure he's doing it in the offseason right now. I'm a big fan of Drew Locke. I think I'm as, I have a core QB 15 right now. And he's someone I would I would absolutely feel comfortable have him being my QB1 on the year. I absolutely would. If I had to pick him in redrafts as my QB1, I'd do it, and I'd be pretty happy with it. I know you're not lying either. Nope. And if it, it might come to that at some point, I might take him as my QB1 where he falls in the draft. I'm absolutely about it. Love me some Drew Locke. Uh, but Jarrett mentioned earlier a guy like Cortland Sutton, one of his wide receivers. And this is another situation here. who had a breakout year, but we talked about him having all these new targets in the field now. How comfortable are you, are you with Sutton as your QB1, as your, QB1, as your wide receiver one? Yeah, I don't want him as my quarterback. Actually, I might want him at quarterback over Locke. <laughs> but anyway, uh, uh, yeah, Sutton is, you know, SMU. They've put out some really good receivers in the last few years. Um I have him in that 14, 15 range, so he's right on the cusp. So if you load it up, and you know, especially if you have a tight end like a Kittle or a Kelsey or an Ernst or something like that, that might be a good spot. You could have some, you know, really good a bunch of wide receiver twos. So if if you load up and your best receiver is wide receiver 15, that's not too bad. Um, you know, he had 1,100 yards last year, and he was wide receiver 19. So I think he does improve a little bit. I think there's. Um, I think Melvin Gordon's going to uh, probably take some some of that some of those yards away here and there, and then Lindsey maybe getting some catches. But I do like Sutton. Uh, maybe not like DJ Moore, but I think he's in that 14 or 15 range, so he's close. I don't think I'll be as comfortable with him as my wide receiver one, just because just the, the weapons they added to the offense, Melvin Gordon, you have Jerry Judy, you have Albert O, you have uh, KJ Hamler. Hamler. And to see, the list goes on. So, like, if you expect him to, like, obviously I think, like, some of the pressure would be off him as well. But I just don't see him mirroring the stats he had last year. He was a wide receiver too last year, so I would expect wide receiver two numbers. And basically he did that on like four and a half catches per game which isn't bad but like i kind of need more for that my wide receiver one and that's my justification i'm comfortable enough with him being my wide receiver one if i have like drew lock i have to almost like Cortland sun at this point because if drew lock's gonna go off Cortland sun i think will be the main contributor of that i just think he's the wide receiver one on this team i know judy's there now but uh, Judy's going to see that rookie curve early on, I think, you know, with, you know, everything that's going on in the, in the NFL. Sutton has at least a somewhat of a connection with Locke. And I just like his talent. I think he's just overall good talent. And if, if he has to be my third third or fourth round pick at my wide receiver one, so be it. I, I like it. I think it's strong enough that I'll be comfortable with it if I have to go that direction in fantasy. 
And now we go over to the Oakland Raiders. Oh, God, Oakland Raiders. I mean the Las Vegas Raiders, guys. Um, and they drafted a guy in the first round over a year ago in Mr. Josh Jacobs, the only running back in the first round. Is, you know, Josh Jacobs a guy who is on the rise to be an RB1 this year? I don't think so. I think, I mean, he's a talented back that's had a lot of tough things happen in his life. And he did get banged up late last season. And he played through, I think, a shoulder or a scapula injury that he had. Um, so they mounted for him. And he's never really been a bell cow. Uh, it wasn't at, at Alabama where they had a stable full of running backs. And he only had 251 carries there at Alabama. He did average almost five a carry, but he was only on the field about 40%, 45% of the time as a running back and only two targets a game there. So, um, you know, with the Raiders, he had two targets a game and a high of uh, a five against the Chargers on that Thursday night debacle. Um, but I love Jacobs. I think he's a really high two. Um, he wasn't really a pass catcher in Alabama, where I think he had just about one catch a game. Um, and he was running back 17 last year. So I think if he elevates to running back 13 to 15, that's kind of where I put him. Um, and I think Oakland is going to be improved offensively. I think if Mariota gets a chance, I think that will probably even elevate him a little bit more. But I don't see him as a one, but I see him as a really, really good two. I'll take him as a one. I think he, I mean, I'll believe he could be a number one running back in like a standard type format league, but who does that anymore, guys? Get him on PPR. But um, yeah, he needs to work on like his receiving game, but he also has factors that kind of limit him. They still have Jalen Rashard. They picked up Lynn Bowen Jr., they added two wide receivers two or three wide receivers so like there's going to be some mouths to feed there i don't think he's going to get a bulk of his like opportunity in the receiving game so it's going to have to be on yardage and touchdowns and unless he gets a big touchdown spike next year there's no way i think he could be uh running back one like in half ppr and especially ppr formats but he's definitely a rock solid number two running back though have him on a team any day of the week yeah, I mean, actually, I really like Josh Jacobs as my RB1, to be honest. I think he can see a heavier workload. I know there was always been talks about him actually being able to handle it. But, I mean, he saw, a, you know, he saw 240 tar- carries this past season. I mean, that's pretty good overall, I think, for an RB1. And, again, they want to get him more involved in the pass game. I know they brought in some, you know, pass catchers this offseason here that could change that situation. But I, I think they, they know what they have in Josh Jacobs, and he can do it. He's a dual-threat guy, I think, and can do a lot with the ball. And, Honestly, second round for sure. I wouldn't be mad if I go out and get a guy like you know Devontae Adams or Julio, and I and I pair him up with Josh Jacobs. You know, I, I think he can handle it. I think the shoulder injury will be fine uh, by the start of the season, and I think he can handle this workload of two fifty carries and you know maybe at least forty targets in a season. So I like Josh Jacobs in RB one. Oh yeah, I'll take him as my RB one, but I don't think he will finish as an RB one come to season end. Could. I Would you could. rather Aaron Jones or Josh Jacobs? Josh oh, Jacobs. Uh, Josh Jacobs all day. Josh Jacobs. Josh Jacobs I want to stay a mile away from that guy. <laughs> um, and going over the last Raider real quick before we get to the Chargers, um, they also drafted another skilled player in, in round one of the 2020, 2020 draft, and that was Henry Ruggs to be the first wide receiver off the board. What's your guys' outlook on Henry Ruggs' rookie year? What a... What an Al Davis. Rest in peace, Al. What an Al Davis pick, though. You get the burner in the in the mold of a Tyreek Hill, 
was he the one that had the robe on during the draft? Um, so he, I, I like him a lot. I mean, I, a lot of people say he was the third best receiver at Alabama, um, but I think he'll elevate them along with Tyrell and, and Waller. And, um, you know, I, I think in short, what I think Gruden will use him in is, is in those really like the jet sweeps and really at the line of scrimmage, get him in space, isolate aside and let him go to work along with some of the ones and nines that they'll throw him. Do I think he'll have a top 25 season? No, I don't, but I, I love him in, in dynasty, of course. Um, but I think his impact this year will be more felt on making the others around him better, specifically Waller and maybe even Tyrell Williams, who I know you guys don't like very much. Yeah, I think Ruggs is going to be that like that fulcrum for the offense moving forward, although it's not going to translate to fantasy numbers. But he has, for me, like in uh, redraft leagues, his outlook's partly cloudy because you kind of don't want to like depend on like a boom and bust talent. But you obviously you're not paying that much in capital to get rugs. So to that value, you, you could take him as like a dart throw. But in dynasty leagues, he has great speculation. He's a young wide receiver. Gruden's in there in the long run. Like we saw, he spent and traded everyone. They used to get all those picks this year. And look what he hauled in. So he's invested, and I think Ruggs will be a good player. And we'll just see what the quarterback situation comes to. I'm not someone who I'm actively looking to draft Ruggs this year. I, I think his quarterback situation is rough. Derek Carr was not a really good deep ball thrower. I know Ruggs is not just a deep ball guy in speed. He can do more than that. But uh, I just I don't like Derek Carr's overall talent to make him a real fantasy superstar in year one. If he falls into the later rounds, if he happens to get overlooked, maybe someone I'll take advantage on. But don't expect him to have a big you know rookie outbreak season that um, that a lot of these rookie receivers are having lately. I'm I'm just not buying it in year one at least. And now we go over to probably the most anticipated part of the night. It's the Los Angeles Chargers. From our boy Jared here, and two questions. First one, what's the expectation on Tyrod Taylor as your fantasy quarterback? Bolt up. I'm so excited. I'm fired up, man. I, <laughs> I'm excited about uh, getting into SoFi and, and doing some really great things this year. Uh, T-Mobile, you know, um, I love the pick of Herbert because I'm a duck and uh, have a lot of love for the ducks. And um, But I, I know Anthony Lynn loves Tyrod. Um Tyrod's elusive. He was a winner at Buffalo, which which didn't happen for like 18 or 19 years. Um, so for Tyrod, it's really going to be what happens in the first 10 weeks if, if there's no injury because the schedule really lightens up around week 11. Um, so if they are a 7-3 and three or a 6-4 and four, um, team, you know, then I think he's able to finish the season. If, if, if they feel like, you know what, we're, we're fighting the Broncos for a wild card spot, we might need to go to Herbert early. So there's that risk in terms of fantasy. But, but Tyron doesn't turn the ball over. Um, I love Phil, but Phil had a lot of red zone turnovers uh, that cost a couple of games, notably against the Chiefs in Mexico City, where they probably would have won that game if he doesn't throw a pick in the end zone in the fourth. And that Raider game on Thursday night were just mind-boggling throws. The offensive line is is much upgraded what Phil had to deal with. So I know my brother who loves Phil is upset that the Chargers didn't have that line for Phil last year. But I think as the schedule lightens, if, if T-Mobile is still there, he can be a top 20 quarterback. 
but he doesn't have to do a lot because I think the defense is a top three or four defense in the league. I think they have the best stable of DB. So they don't, they can be patient and Anthony Lynn tends to be patient. Um, so I don't know if that answers a fantasy question, um, but the defense will dictate how much um, leeway he's going to have. I, I feel like we're going to be in a lot of games next year um, in winning most of those. Yeah, I've been a huge fan of Tyrod Taylor, especially in his Buffalo days. He's going to be that perfect like bye week replacement quarterback if he still has a starting gig. He, he hopefully he still has some running his running legs left on him. Like he could just give you a little bit of production there. Obviously, like Jared said, he doesn't have to do much. The defense is pretty loaded. The offense is still loaded. They still have phenomenal weapons there. And he just has to make it work. He doesn't need 40 attempts or nothing like that. You give him a good, modest 30, 35 attempts, and he can just make it work and keep him in games and keep the production and hopefully get the Chargers some dubs. Yeah. Um, the thing you look at with Tyrod Taylor is that he has a running floor and he's not going to turn the ball over. That's two big things on Tyrod Taylor right there. And in terms of fantasy, he's definitely someone who, if you like the streamer game and you want to start with him in the first you know, week one or throughout the season, he's definitely a good option. I mean, this is a guy who was a starter in Buffalo with minimal options and a strong run game and finished three straight seasons at top, top 16 quarterback. And now he's got probably one of the better core players around him right now that he's ever had than he had in Buffalo. And I think he'll just get a better start overall, and he's going to have a longer leash. I don't think they're going to rush to get Justin Herbert in like they were when he was in the Browns with Baker Mayfield. He's going to have more time to really get to know this offense, get going, and he's got the trust in his coaching staff. So uh, he is definitely someone who's a definitely a late-round interest because now he fits into this new mobile quarterback uh, era that we're in right now in the NFL. So he has a chance to be a real solid fantasy quarterback that people could probably have him go undrafted in most of their drafts. I will say this. If they do go to Herbert, Hunter Henry leaps up into the top five of tight ends. Herbert loved Breland at Oregon, was able to get, I mean, really gets it in there in the middle of the field really well. And Eckler, I think, would elevate as well if it's Herbert because the Oregon offense was geared towards the tight end and, and the running back never throwing the ball deep down the field. Of course, no, definitely. Definitely agree with that. Even, even with Tyrod Taylor, Hunter Henry could be somewhat more valuable as well. Uh, but one guy I really want to know about is Keenan Allen. Um, now he doesn't have Philip Rivers anymore to be his go-to guy anymore. How comfortable would you guys be having Keenan Allen as your wide receiver one? Oh, I plan on it. <laughs> I plan. <laughs> it's tough because my son and my brother are in my league of records, so I might not get him. But uh, he was wide receiver three in 2017, wide receiver 12 in 2018, and wide receiver eight last year. Um so he's been a wide receiver one the last three years, and he's kind of debunked that kind of fluky injury um, tab that was on him. Um, he's going 48th overall on Fantasy Calculator. So um, in my league, he'll go earlier because we have three Charger fans in our league. But I think he'll still do really, really well because he, to me, along with Adams, is the best route runner in the NFL. Uh, I love his stop on a dime. He can come back in the rips and the curls and the digs and just make plays and really create space when there wasn't space to begin with. So I like him to regress in yards and catches, but I also like touchdowns to progress. I can see him getting into the near the double digits. 
So I have him right now in my own personal rankings as wide receiver 11. Um, so, you know, will, will, will he be there for me? I, I hope he is. Uh, he is in my leagues with you guys. But um, I, I love him where you're able to get him in leagues where there aren't Charger fans. Sorry, I yawned. But, um, yeah, Keenan Allen, I, I love the guy. Uh, obviously, he's, like Jared said, he's finished in the wide receiver one discussion last three years. He's had six touchdowns last three years. Obviously, he's having a little downgrade at the quarterback position. But still, you're not paying that pick like 26, 27, 28 that you were doing the last three years. You're getting them. 20 picks later and that could be a nice little asset to your teams going moving forward so like he's the most Chris route runner I've seen in the last couple of years as well Jared so like kudos to you guys for finding this guy and sticking with him as well Pac-12 guy Pac-12. oh yeah Cal baby <laughs> although I think he's from Virginia but yeah he's Pac-12 guy Pac-12 life uh, yeah, I guess I'd be okay with him being my wide receiver one. I'm a little less confident than I would if I was going to go with like another guy who, um, who we mentioned before in this episode. I'm, I'm, my talk so much that I completely forget about everything. But uh, I can't remember who we even talked about before. But I'd be comfortable with him. I, I could handle it. I could deal with it if I could get him in the third or fourth round and work my way to get a better lineup around him. Yeah, I'd be fine with it. I think he still gets his you know PPR. Uh, like like receptions, he's gotten six touchdowns three straight seasons now. I mean, you have to almost assume he's going to get six touchdowns at least this year. Um, again, Tyrod's not the best quarterback, but he can still throw the ball and he can still be a reliable tar- uh, you know option for Tyrod Taylor. So I would be okay with it if I get my right situation around with me. And you guys should feel pretty okay that he could be a pretty solid you know at least top fifteen wide receiver in fantasy football still. But Steven, I have a beer bet. I have a beer bet for you. All right, what's up? The Chargers starting quarterback versus the the Denver starting quarterback, whole year, more fantasy points. You want to take that bet? I got the Charger quarterback. You got the Denver quarterback. Absolutely, absolutely. Okay, you guys heard it. Beer bet. Beer bet. Beer bet. <laughs> Jibs, you're there. Listen to it. Uh, better be good stuff. Only only the good stuff. <laughs> yeah, we're not talking Coors Light, guys. Oh God, no. Uh, yeah, that's no, what I'm saying. None of that. So we'll only get the good stuff. But uh, that is the end of our episode again, guys. We went really long tonight, almost three. It seems about three hours, I feel like, at this point in my head. But uh, we appreciate you guys for listening. Like we said, please always go check out the website at www.thefantasycoaches.com. We have a lot of great content out there. Hopefully, we get our draft guide out there really, really soon. We're looking forward to that. And just follow us on Twitter and Instagram at Coaches Fantasy and on Instagram at The Fantasy Coaches. You can always follow me at Coach Stephen P. You can follow me at Hot Take Contro. Follow me at Curtis6. Yeah, so give us a follow, guys. Um, we appreciate it. Until t- next week, we'll we have Lauren Carpenter, uh, Lauren's stepmom, on next week uh, talking some last year's, this year's. We're looking forward to that. So to- until next time, guys, take care. Have a great one. I've been feeling super duper How the heck they know the future Come with me, don't be a loser Grass is green like pooper scoopers Clueless analysts don't do the half of this In fact, I'm backing this by asking If y'all remember that tough act Interacting, shh, like boom Running like zoom, the highest and mightiest Entered the room, high off the knowledge I'm feeling the fumes, all players cover this Nuts as legumes, opponents are doomed And these are the facts, I keep it 100 like I'm running track Listen up Jack, I'ma head back Back to the blowing that blow when I blow when I go